This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hello, quick plug at the top of the show. We are doing a live reading of The Santa Claus, Disney 1994. You know it, you love it. So we're taking the script. We're doing a live reading of it. I'll be there. Jamie will be there. Grace Thomas, our guest from The Santa Claus episode we recorded and released last year, will be there. We've got a few other friends joining the cast. uh, So don't miss it. It is Sunday, December 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's the live show. But if you can't make it to the live show, it's okay because the whole thing's online. It will stay online. You can watch it whenever if you buy a ticket. Here's how you buy a ticket. We have a link that will give you instructions on exactly what to do. But basically, we are doing this show to raise funds for reclaim and rebuild our community. There's currently a GoFundMe for it. So we are asking that you make a donation to reclaim and rebuild our community. You will attach a screen grab of your donation receipt on this link that we'll be sending out. It's just a simple Google form where you'll submit your donation receipt. That's effectively how you buy a ticket for this show. So you'll send us the receipt in exchange. We will email you a link to the live stream. Uh, But again, if you can't make it to the live stream, we still encourage you to buy a ticket if you want to see the show because we'll send you the link to the stream and you can watch that at any time. So just again, real quick, uh, the Santa Claus live reading Sunday, December 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. A link with more information and all those instructions will be on our Twitter. We'll put it on our Instagram. I will put it on my website, caitlindurante.com slash shows. It'll be around. Just check our social media. And we're really excited. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a romp. Uh, we're doing it for a terrific cause. So check out the show. We hope to see you there in the comments because that's how online shows work all right enjoy the episode 
On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. And we're celebrating four years of... The MF Bechtel cast. Wow. <laughs> the MF TBC or no. Uh, the, uh, yeah. TMFBC. Oh, yes. The mud. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Math. Letters. Yes. Math. Letters. Math. Alphabet. Um, da Vinci Code. Let's cover wow. it. <laughs> Which brings us to our episode today. Uh, <laughs> no, I promise we'll never cover the Da Vinci Code. It but Alfred Molina's in it. I know, but it's like, I feel like he, I I mean, I feel like he would be like, that's okay. You don't have to cover that one. <laughs> I, that'd be, that's kind of fun. If I wonder what movies Alfred Molina was like, mm, don't watch that one. Maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to the Bechtel cast. Uh, this is a celebration episode. So if it's your first episode, uh, you know, probably shouldn't be. Yeah. But or unless you want to just get to know us really well before <laughs> verifying if we have any skills or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of these. Well, OK, so we're doing a Q&A episode. Some of these questions, yes. I think, will uh, elicit a really interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. So that's our plan. We're we're just doing a celebratory four year anniversary Q and A episode. We've done a few of these in the past. Uh, we've Not done at least one or two on the main feed, and then I think two on the Matreon as well. Yes, which is where these questions are coming from. They are coming from our Patreon, aka Matreon, where you can. I guess I'm like I just started plugging it instinctually. <laughs> But essentially, that's that's our uh, Matreon community, and that's where we uh, sourced the amazing questions mm-hmm. that you're going to be hearing us uh, stumble our way through today. That's right. So thank you to everyone on the Matreon who did submit a question. We're unfortunately not going to be able to get to all of them. We won't have the time. We've we got dozens of questions um and some of them are questions that we have answered on previous q a episodes so we'd recommend going back and listening to those if you're like why didn't they answer how how did jamie and caitlin meet and why did you start the podcast we've already answered that on other episodes in a past season of our friendship (laughs) this these questions (laughs) the reveals have happened mid-season yeah Uh, but but there were a lot of amazing questions in in this um mm-hmm. in this batch. Our listeners, well, they're very perceptive, smart, brilliant geniuses, a million percent, all feminist icons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. You all get five five nips. Five nips all around. Um. So yeah, it's been four years. I still. I mean, we did not start the podcast because the Trump administration was starting, but it was, it just timed out that way. Mm-hmm. And baby, we're going to be in office longer. <laughs> Four more years for the Factual <laughs> cast. Exactly. We're going to outlive the Biden administration. What, who was it? Was it FDR who had like four four-year terms? Was that that president? I don't I remember. I think it was, this is a, this is a history podcast. Wait, I think it was FDR, right? Who I think so. Longest? So we're gonna we're gonna do FDR's legacy. We're gonna sixteen years is the that's goal. That's too long. Uh, uh, 12, <laughs> 12 years. That's too long. Okay. Wow, that's too long. That's three terms. Hey, 
he shouldn't have done that. Well, he, oh, oh wait, no, they put in pretty, term limits because of him, right? I think so. Yeah, we're like we're getting close to like dictator territory here. Let's let's give it a limit. Yeah, you're like okay, knock it off, sir. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know uh, anything about that uh but what we do know is the answers to the questions that you're about to hear um okay so here here we go our first question comes from Jacqueline the question is what has been the most surprisingly positive find during the show for each of you especially movies pre-2005 Ooh, does anything jump to mind for you immediately well as far as um the positive find implies to me as though it's a movie that we hadn't already like known about or been on our radar, I guess. Right. Which is a lot of them for me. <laughs> and none of them for me because I've seen every movie. Uh, no, just it's... kidding. But <laughs> but because um, there are plenty of pre-2005 movies that I think are worth watching and checking out. But um, mm-hmm. like, for example, Thelma and Louise comes to mind. But I had already seen that many times, so it wasn't as though like we discovered it via this podcast. But I feel like it, that does count, though, of like, uh, you know, your love of a movie increased or like the context of it mm-hmm. shifted. I, I thought about that for Josie and the Pussycats because I'd seen Ooh. it before, but I feel like that was a movie that when we analyzed it and it did so well and like there were so many more layers that I was like... Yeah, like, you know, it just like deepened. I feel like I have more cases of that than not. If either my love for a movie I already loved deepening or it becoming tarnished. Sure. Well, a few that stood out to me. A recent one was How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Yeah. Um, Oh, First Wives Club. Uh, Again, not a perfect movie, but Mm. um, it's one that I really wasn't... I hadn't seen it prior to starting this podcast. Mm-hmm. I would say nine to five was yes, one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nine to five. Uh, Sister Act. My love of Sister Act was deepened uh, when we covered that movie. I'm just going through our list here. I mean, National Treasure, of course. I mean, well, if we're going to bring up National Treasure, we have to. The actually, the top answer for this question is obviously Flubber. Flubber, I mean, when we were there, I think I hopefully we've given a second life to Flubber and I Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, I, I mean, there's there are a lot of movies who, 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 who movies are people, um, <laughs> that my love has deepened. Mm-hmm. I think that that's more common. Josie and the Pussycats comes to mind. How Stella got her groove back is a great example. And yeah, I think that's I think that's my answer to that question. Yeah, same. I I feel good about the movies I've already thrown out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks, Jacqueline. Um, yes. Our next question comes from Ella. asks What movies were you expecting not to like and have surprised you? Ooh. Um. I. Hmm, that's not true. I was like I. I can't get a flubber answer here because I was expecting to love it. <laughs> and then I still did. Um, I mean, I think for me, it's there's the occasional action movie we'll cover that I didn't think I was going to be like captivated by, but ended mm-hmm. up being. I think that actually the Terminator movies um, surprised me because I just oh. view that as like, oh, it's not my genre really. I know that it's like, feminist and cool but it's but but i was really captivated by them i liked them a lot 
I'm so glad to hear that because I love uh, the first two the, and the second one especially are is second like one, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest answer for this. Oh, I'll, I have two. I didn't have super high hopes for Birds of Prey based on mm. how bad of a movie Suicide Squad was. Yeah. But I really, really enjoyed Birds of Prey. And I also, I think because of the way the movie Blockers was marketed. Oh. I thought it was, and we covered blockers on the Matreon, so Mm -hmm. get on it, folks. But I thought blockers was going to be a mess, just like another like gross out. And it is, you know, kind of a gross out comedy, but in in the vein of like American Pie problematic and not sex positive, feminist uh, kind of messaging that it had. So I also, I would also add in uh, Frozen 2. That was a movie I did not expect to, I guess I just, I mean, that movie is very, you should just listen to the episode, but I think that was a movie that I thought I knew what the direction of the conversation was going to be when we, when I started like the process of researching and it just totally went another way and I learned a lot and our guest Allie is so incredible and Mm -hmm. like I don't know that was like one of the recent episodes where I was like whoa I I learned shit and it really like I didn't go in expecting to like find a lot in 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 Frozen 2 but guess what there's there's some stuff in there it's got substance it's got substance it turns out so that was that Mm -hmm. was another one that kind of pleasantly surprised me yeah thank you ella for that question indeed uh let's see uh going next to adam who is a student of yours he's a student yeah he's a student of mine so shout out to adam thanks for taking my class thanks for asking this question adam has a good question and i'm trying to figure out if i know what the answer is or not are there any films one of you wants to cover in an episode that the other person refuses to cover? That's like definitely, but I, I, I guess I just said I will never cover the Da Vinci Code, but I, I'm like <laughs> kind of joking. Uh, and I'm over here like, we have to cover Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Can't let the Da Vinci Code stand and it's been a big problem for in our friendship. It's, it's torn our podcast apart almost. What is, I feel like we talk about like, well, there was something that you said no to for a long time and then eventually you said yes recently but i'm trying to remember what it was oh was it like- what i mean i was very reluctant to do like decoms and like high oh, school yeah. musical and stuff like that for a long maybe time maybe that was it right but then but but then now you've seen decoms i haven't seen for crying oh, out loud a teen beach movie hello <laughs> best movie ever made that. um what else are i there's not many that we are like no, I, unless it's... I remember saying that we should cover Dumb and Dumber and you vetoed oh, that. Like, but only, not because I like that movie, just because I think there's a lot to talk about because of how fucked up it is. Yeah, there are, I mean, I think occasionally, honestly, there are episodes that you're just like, Ugh, do we, Ugh. Do we like, have you just get to? exhausted <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would I would do Dumb and Dumber. I think it's also just sometimes you're just like, is that the top of our list? But then it's also like we just did flubber, so that list is very. It's a very, it's a very fluid list. It's, yes, if we're nothing if not eclectic in our movie choices, I will say one episode that I was. I mean, and then there's just like certain movies that you just know are so deeply entrenched in like 
problematic stuff that you're just like, what, where are we even going to begin? I felt that way about the There's Something About Mary episode. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're going to be here for six hours. But thankfully, <laughs> Katie Stoll is an angel and that episode was really fun. But it was like stuff like that. I get like overwhelmed in advance. Sure. Just thinking about like or like episodes where you're like, I have 45 pages of notes. Like, uh, uh. yeah, <laughs> it's not. Well, there was a period of time where I was kind of begging you to redo the Matrix episode. And this actually leads to kind of a plug Mm -hmm. because here's something that happened uh, a few months ago. We removed four episodes, really early episodes that for different reasons, we just kind of didn't want them in the feed, mostly because we wanted to redo them. Yeah. And we never thought anyone would notice. And turns out everyone noticed. (laughs) We were so wrong. Um, And the reason we did it, it was honestly, I mean, if you've ever had a podcast for four years, you'll find that uh, some of your, like, especially they're they're all episodes from, like, early on in the show when we were disorganized and, like... They're all in, like, the first ten we did. Mm -hmm. They are all among that cluster. So they're all, yeah. And we've done how many episodes now? done over 200 uh not including (laughs) the matreon and also it's like i i everyone roasts me for not watching the matrix but it early in the show we were truly doing the show pretty much strictly for fun and to like have a fun conversation and i was like working two jobs like i didn't always have time to do the deep dive that we're fortunate enough to have the time for now yeah so we so we took down four episodes that we just were like Honestly, we're just like, we don't think that this is going to be very helpful for anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And since people tend to like scroll down to the beginning of a feed to start the show, we got rid of four episodes that we're like, we don't think this is a good introduction to what the show is. Yeah. But. But. We are going to redo those episodes. We're redoing them. The plan is for January. Uh, those That's kind of just kind of be our, our January episodes. Uh, the episodes we are redoing are... Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, which was our first episode of all time. And mm-hmm. you might imagine it's not our strongest. Uh, <laughs> Someone's like, we're <laughs> flailing around in a big pool, not sure what to do. Uh, one of them is the animated Beauty and the Beast from 91. Uh-huh. Our second episode ever, again, as you might imagine, not our strongest. <laughs> not our best. Um, and then there's also The Matrix. Yes, which I am going to watch. I know it's been like a joke uh, for, for years, but um, I'm sick of hearing about it. And <laughs> I hear that the movie is pretty good. So I think I'm you, I don't know if you'll like become a fan, but I think you'll not hate it. I think you'll like enjoy it for what it is i honestly think i i i'm there is so much that we didn't discuss in that first matrix episode anyways that i'm like i feel like there's so many more so many levels of appreciation for the matrix Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. i'm excited to discuss and i'm a way bigger uh keanu stan than i was four years ago so i think that this is just it's it's a good vibe and then we're also redoing mad max fury road yes which since recording that one that has become one of my like top five favorite movies of all time. So I, I've seen it like dozens and dozens and dozens of times since then. I've done a bunch of reading and research about it. I have a, a greater appreciation for it, but also some like 
other like different opinions that I had originally. So yeah, worth redoing all around. I still I still resent the steampunk aesthetic for the record, <laughs> but I have rewatched the movie since. And uh, yeah, I th- I feel like we just there that movie deserved a better episode than mm-hmm. we were equipped to give, which I think also like ties into like our own ongoing education and growth as mm-hmm. hosts too. We're we're always learning. We're trying. Yeah. And so, yeah, look forward to, we've we got to think of a better name than Redo Month, right? What is, what do we call it? Oh, well, we're, we will accept pitches from listeners on what that month should be called. Although we usually don't, we have like very goofy names for themes for our Matreon months, but not mm-hmm. usually for the main feed. So maybe we don't need like a fancy name for it. I don't know. Right. I was like, redo you every <laughs> thoughts sound off in the comments. No, uh, don't because that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we figured it out. Redo you are. <laughs> Okay, so that all was the answer to uh, the question from Adam. So thank you again for submitting that question. Next question comes from Darcy asks, how do you feel nostalgia plays into how we view movies? It's easy to defend your favorite movie when it's your favorite. But what about when that movie has actively harmful things being said? I know y'all have had some discussion about this on your favorite movie episodes, but I'd love to hear any other takes you have on it. So thanks, Darcy. Yeah, I feel like we've had versions of this conversation in the past. I think nostalgia, weirdly, especially for our generation, for everyone, but I feel like we are a very nostalgia-driven generation in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the main examples that comes to mind for me is the Indiana Jones trilogy, and it is a Ooh. trilogy because let's Ooh. not. I don't. I don't observe the fourth one as being part of it anyway um those movies are so harmful and so bad and so sexist and so racist and i can't stop loving them (laughs) so like nostalgia is a huge component of that because these are movies i grew up with and i watched constantly as a kid and um same thing with like the back to the future trilogy pretty actively harmful in terms of its depictions of various characters and just situations. But they're like my favorite movies. So (laughs) as we always say on the podcast, you're allowed to love whatever you love. We just always encourage critical analysis of the things you love and Mm -hmm. be able to recognize that something you love might be actively harmful and if you share your favorite like your nostalgia favorite movie with someone like have a discussion with that person afterwards about like why it's fucked up and why it doesn't necessarily hold up anymore Mm -hmm. but you still love it yeah I also feel like there is like it's such a personal thing as well where I feel like part of I mean this is this this question ties into why we do the show in the first place right. is to like approach popular movies I mean in some episodes it's like approaching popular movies that have a lot of problematic elements that it's like we just want to talk about the context of it so that you can watch it with more awareness I don't I feel like it's almost creating a shield for yourself in a way mm-hmm. of like first we want to encourage 
people to demand better of the popular art that's being created. But also it's like you're creating a shield against old art to be like, I can consume this and I can like take in its entertainment value if I'm comfortable doing so. And everyone, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole, it's very personal. Like I, I can also see how someone would be like, I just don't fuck with the Indiana Jones movies anymore after sure. I realized what it did. And, but it's going to be different for everyone. And I feel like it's just a matter of like crafting your, oh God, I sound like a Marvel movie, uh, crafting <laughs> your little, your little shield so that certain stuff, you know, just so you're aware and that you mm-hmm. can watch and enjoy things mindfully. I, does that make sense? I, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Because nostalgia is such a tricky and sometimes pesky little emotion. Pesky. <laughs> it's, it does. I mean, it's like I I was totally torpedoed by like Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I mean, I think more of us than not, honestly. And, and you're just like, I know this is wrong, but the songs are so catchy. What do I do? <laughs> it's something that I feel like we all deal with to an extent. If you have literally no problematic faves congratulations but were you born in like 2017 yes. like <laughs> but and also like even so still <laughs> kind of but it, it I, I feel like it is just a matter of just creating a level of awareness and and like you were saying Caitlin having discussions that feel productive with with people who who share the same nostalgia you do nostalgia mm-hmm. I feel like it can be if if you're if it's uncritical nostalgia that's that's a road straight to hell baby yeah that is like what I would take issue with it's again yeah. it's I mean we have our our list of red flag movies that it's like like if you list this as your favorite movie maybe reevaluate your love of like <laughs> fucking ugh, scarface or whatever right there yeah the way you said that sounded like jeff foxworthy you're like you might be a toxic person um but Sorry. but if you love scarface and have like written essays about how fucked up and problematic it is then that's another thing right but bottom line be critical of the media you consume and we are here to help with that yeah and that's why we do the show to continue to learn from our listeners which is which is great Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, so it's like it's kind of a different it's kind of hard to have this conversation too broadly because it's like there are some it it's a very movie to movie person to person thing but Right. I think that's our general answer. Indeed. So, so thank, thank you, Darcy. You. Uh, our next question comes from Cy Ariel. And they ask, For years, intersectionalist critique of popular media has seemingly been relegated to indie publications, academic papers, and blog posts. Many times I've seen such criticism disregarded as having no bearing on the objective quality, quote unquote, of a film. For example, even modern reviews for Birth of a Nation often call it, quote, a masterpiece, despite all the racism, unquote, not even considering that the racism might have any bearing on the quality of the film itself. Blatant use of sexist tropes by male auteurs are acknowledged as an afterthought, if ever. It seems unthinkable to reviewers that analysis of racism, sexism, or cis-heteronormativity could somehow be integrated into mainstream critique. Why do you think that film critics have been so slow to adopt new, more self-reflective ways of thinking and talking about movies? Uh, hmm. Wow, what a thoughtful question. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, indeed. My, uh, first of all, I totally see 
what you're, I mean, it's like this, the, I feel like we often kind of try to go to how is this movie reviewed when it was released? And mm-hmm. you see a lot of that. Uh, to me, my, I mean, my gut instinct answer is that pop culture is reflective of the larger culture that you're living inside of. And mm-hmm. so I think that the reason that film critics have been slow slow to adopt more self-reflective ways of thinking is because our culture has not been welcoming or encouraging of new ways of thinking for <laughs> since time immemorial. I feel like it, it, it definitely, not completely, but has a lot to do with you know, Western culture in general, like, mm-hmm. and I also really don't like when people dump on independent film critics and creators, because it's like, I, I feel like that's who's really doing the work and, and moving mm-hmm. stuff forward. Like it's, it's not Roger Ebert, honey, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Often when we cite writing, film criticism, film reviews on, our show, it's almost always from, you know, indie publications and like feminist blogs and stuff like that, that are, you know, not the most mainstream because reviews from the New York Times or from like Roger Ebert's like legacy, you know, LA Times and all those, you know, huge newspapers and publications and things like that. Yeah, they're still, they're doing what they've been doing for decades and decades, which is analyzing a film only on the merit of its like story and cinematography and like important aspects of film but not at all on like representation and inclusion and and like really acknowledging thing i mean i i think that the, the way that Cy Ariel describes this is really insightful of like calling Birth of a Nation a masterpiece despite all the racism. Like you can't... Like, do you hear what you're saying when you say that? Like whoever the fuck said that? Like what the fuck? Yeah, it's... it's. I, I feel like for... Especially for like legacy film critics who like it almost seems like they think that that is enough. They're like, well, I acknowledge that it's racist. I said mm-hmm. all the racism. So, you know, check. I mentioned it's racist. <laughs> right. And the racism doesn't make it bad. It's still a great work of art. And first of all, is it? It's a fucking three hour long piece of shit movie that fucking sucks. That, like, kicked up the KKK in the US. So, <laughs> right. no, like we don't. Yeah, I mean, and and I think it also has to do with the extreme whiteness and, you know, cis maleness of most of film criticism Mm -hmm. up until pretty recently. And that's not to say that people weren't writing. I mean, that's like so much of what we've pulled from over the years Mm -hmm. is uh, from black writers, from indigenous writers, from uh, women, from queer people, from people who have been doing the writing and the work for a long time. It's just I feel like in terms of being put on by like an institution and being like, you're our film critic now, Mm -hmm. that is like, first of all, still needs a lot more, but um, is something that's relatively new. And I wanted to just off the top of my head, shout out, we've had two incredible black film critics on the show recently, Ashley Ray and mm-hmm. Jordan Searles. So yes. they're doing it, but they like, you know, they, they did a lot of indie writing before. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's so frustrating. I mean, I, I think that that's just something that even as, as uh, fans of movies, that's like something that we all as a community need to keep pushing for is like more representation in film criticism. Because otherwise, I feel like it's never going to stop this, like, despite all the racism, despite all the sexism, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then being like, all right, I'm done. Good review. Yep. <laughs> Five stars. Like, fuck you. For sure. I think that also extends to what is taught in, like, film schools, because a lot of, I imagine a lot of, like, film critics did something to study, like, you know, film theory or film criticism or, you know, film studies in, you know, some form of higher education. And so much, and as someone who's taken many classes like that in my various degrees that I earned, (laughs) that I would never talk about, of course, there's been very, very little discussion about representation. Or if it was, it was like a specific class. If you wanted to like learn about like feminism in movies you'd have to like take a specific class and it was always like a an elective that wasn't a a, a required part of the curriculum and mm-hmm. and so it's just not prioritized in in schools or at least it wasn't when I was I was taking classes at university yeah. and I hope yeah and, and even when I feel like even sometimes when you do get to address stuff it's still in a very I don't know, just a very academic whitewashed way where even like I remember in like one of my film classes there, it was like, and this is like, it's woman day in film history (laughs) class. And here's all the women who have done stuff. And it was like a list of like five white women. And then we never talked about any women ever again. And then we talked about Woody Allen for five years. Like, it's like, why, 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 why? Uh, We really need to get them out of the classroom i'm mm-hmm. sick of it so yes Sai ariel thank you so much for that really thoughtful question and that's a discussion we hope to continue yes indeed let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with more questions this is holly fry from stuff you missed in history class The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. 
access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Uh, Next question comes from Jerome. Asks, just wanted to ask specifically about the changes you've made since June and the two incredibly self-reflective episodes you posted. I'm wondering if you went back to those challenging questions you were asking yourselves in June and how you feel you are going on the journey of addressing them. Uh, thank you for your question. That That's a great yeah, question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, first of all, I mean, that's, it's not really a question for us to answer per se. I mean, we can't really say how we're doing that's really up to our black brown and indigenous listeners Mm -hmm. so that's not really our our call to make but in terms of what we have been trying to do and and the track that we've been trying to get onto and, and the priority switch I think we've made some progress I think we definitely we could always be doing more Mm -hmm. but I think we've I think we've made progress I'm I'm like we're on the right track I feel yeah, I, I, I'm of the mind that like, we could always be doing better. There's always yeah. more to learn. There's, there's always something new to address. There's something that we've overlooked in the past that we should like be careful to address moving forward. There's mistakes yeah. we've made in the past. So yeah, as, as far as like, our progress goes, since like those few episodes that are being referenced that we released in June mm-hmm. which which uh, was released um, around the height of the Black Lives Matter protests and we I mean basically I mean if if you didn't listen to those episodes that's totally fine but what what it boiled down to as far as our show goes mm-hmm. at least was that I feel like I mean for for I don't want to speak for you Caitlin but I I feel like I had a reckoning with how few black movies and by extension how few non-white movies we had covered on the show and how that Mm -hmm. was kind of that had to do with a fundamental flaw in the premise of our show which Mm -hmm. was that we were going on this very vague you know qualifier of quote-unquote influential movie without taking into account movies that are not given the priority, the budget, the marketing that are amazing movies that people should be watching. And also mm-hmm. the fact that we're filtering it through our white experience. And the result right. of that was that we were watching mainly movies directed by white people, like by a huge margin. And seeing mm-hmm. that laid out was really like a fuck moment yeah. for me of like, well, if this is what we're doing, then the the premise is flawed and we need to like you know grow the show mm-hmm. to not just be covering you know white movies like so that mm-hmm. that was what as far as our show goes that really stuck with me of like 
we need to not just be covering, and this is kind of like referencing our, our episode with Kinney's, but not just movies by black directors, brown directors, indigenous directors, but like movies about black joy. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, just covering a wide variety of movies, not just rehashing the same 2000s shitty white rom-com movie premise <laughs> right. that we've talked about a million times, which can be fun. And like, we're not saying that like that, you know, that's a part of our whatever, what fucked us in the head. Uh, so it's worth discussing, but 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 it can't just be that. That's a fruitless exercise after a while. We need to be, you know, introducing our audience to movies and just like learning more ourselves. For sure. Someone tweeted at us just the other day asking, like, can you cover more Latinx movies and have more Latinx guests on? And I was like, shit. Mm. Yeah, we've covered only a few and we should and will do more. For sure. Yes. So, um, like I said, there's there's always more to learn. There's always room for improvement, and that is a large a large part of why we encourage engagement from our listeners to like let us know mm-hmm. suggestions for movies to cover, for guests to have on the show, mm-hmm. articles we should read, books we should read. Um, even though we are famously <laughs> anti-book, just anti-book. kidding. Anti-book. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's always open feedback with us. It's always been like that. It always will be like that. And then mm-hmm. when this episode comes up, we're all, we'll also um, repost our request form. And um, we would love more requests um, for uh, movies that are not made by white people that you would like to see spotlighted mm-hmm. on the show. That would be that would be amazing. We, we always want to, you know, give, you know, on, on top of um, talking about amazing movies, we want to talk about movies that you want to talk about with us. And so, you know, we'll always be in conversation with you and we're 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 committed to continuing to, to learn and and do better. Yeah, we're, we're always looking to enlighten ourselves and learn more and be as inclusive as possible. So. So thank you for that question. Thank you, Jerome. Uh, Our next question comes from Ilana. Who would you cast as yourself in the movies about your life? And who would you cast for the other person if it's different? Uh, Well, (laughs) the question answers itself. I want Alfred (laughs) Molina to play me from the moment I'm born. (laughs) Right, because in parentheses at the end of this question is, is it all Alfred Molina? And... (laughs) Of course, the answer to that is yes. I think that, yeah, I want... Movie of my life would start with my mom's C-section. Mm. And, and and then it's Alfred Bellina currently. <laughs> okay. So and wait, she's so... holding him in her arms, but it's like a 60-year-old man. Wait, pitch. Okay, it's <laughs> it's Alfred Molina as the surgeon performing the C-section. It's Alfred <laughs> Molina as your mother. It's like and Norbit. <laughs> Alfred Molina as you, the baby... <laughs> Yeah, coming this out. is my princess switch. This is my Norbit. This is my any of the Nutty movies professor. where one person plays everybody. That's what I want Alfred Molina to play Caitlin as well. Thank you so much. What what would you, what would be your picks? I'm curious. Um, for some for some reason, my mind went directly to Winona Ryder. Ooh, that's yeah, that would rock for my for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And then obviously I agree, I agree that Alfred Molina should play you and everyone you know in the movie about your life. So, yeah. 
I don't even have a different Hell answer yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, okay, so th- uh, thank you, Alana, for that question. Next question comes from Donna. Asks, uh, what are some ways that one can be involved in film discourse? I love these types of conversations and find myself wanting to talk with you both on so many topics. But, Lesai, you cannot hear me through the headphones. Uh, frowny face emoji. Uh, I don't have uh, any friends who are very interested in this and also do not want to go to art school again. I would love a community where I can talk about these topics more. I find it very important and stimulating. Listening to your podcast helped me realize just how deeply these tropes impacted me. The magnitude of their effect is wild. And then they say thank you. And thank you, Donna, for this question and for your kind words. This is a tricky, okay, so this is a tricky question, I feel like, because the answer to your question is the internet, but that is very fraught (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many toxic, I mean, there are places, I would say, you know, unless you know of a Reddit board that is safe uh to avoid there i mean i feel like there there are conversations about film discourse going on everywhere it's just a matter i think of finding a space that is going to discuss film in a way that is open to intersectionality it doesn't even need to be strictly about intersectionality but has to be like involved in the conversation i think i think the closest i could come to with a recommendation here and I would also be curious for listeners to to pass along communities that you you like to participate in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Letterboxd is a potentially a good uh, a good place to go to find a. I, I found the Letterboxd community to be generally very like cool and open to discussion. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like kind of a, a a beautiful corner of the internet at the time of this recording. Right. Um, <laughs> it could all yeah. go tits up. <laughs> when we least expect it but um Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a great suggestion um well obviously this isn't uh, a viable option right now but we've had uh, listeners reach out to us and say that they have like kind of put out feelers just like in whatever city they lived i think there was one in london i think there's uh, ones in other cities where people have just been like hey i'm a fan of this podcast anyone else out there want to like get together and have kind of like we almost like a book club but for Bechtelcast listeners mm-hmm. obviously with uh this pandemic that is is not an option but if there's some kind of like oh, i don't know are chat rooms That's still so- a thing i'm kidding but like- <laughs> uh i i do think uh, yeah I, I think that hopefully we can i mean that's the thing that like I, lo- I love when uh, like fans of a show, our show or any show, like organize and like meet each other. Mm-hmm. And that seems like the most organic, cool way to do it. But unfortunately, uh, you can't right now. I would say, yeah, Letterboxd for now. And then I- I'm trying to think of a way we can help streamline this process. I guess we have until there's a vaccine to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but to help our listeners kind of coordinate and a place yeah. to like find other Bechtel heads. Cause I like truly the energy at live shows of like fans of the show meeting each other. Like we have had so many, Oh, I miss live shows so much. Like so many cases of like people who are like in line together or like sat next to each other or came to the show by themselves and then met like uh-huh. made, made friends and like, 
uh, vector cast shows are great networking tool. I can't wait to go back to them. I can't wait to go to places we've never been before for shows. I I have such a, I'm like, God damn it. We're going to go to Austin. (laughs) I swear on my life. We've still never been to Chicago to do a live show, which is outrageous. I was like, well, we've been at all. Yeah, (laughs) to do a live show. (laughs) We still got to do Chicago in Chicago. Right. But um, since that's not an option at the moment. Um, Yeah. For now, I feel like Letterboxd, and then also, uh, and I don't have enough insight, but I know that there are discords that um, are focused on film, and it's a matter of finding kind of the right one for you. I was going to ask, I was like, what is Discord? Is that a thing? (laughs) We're old. I just just started a Discord for uh, Lolita Podcast, Mm. subtle plug, and it has been so lovely so far um it's been yeah it's like a a site where you can like oh my god everyone who uses discord is rolling their eyes they're like who are these old women um (laughs) but you start little different channels where you're like oh here's the area where we talk about the adaptations here's the area where we talk about the book here's an area where we can just talk about anything and hang out and chat and oh that sounds so useful that yeah yeah and it's like the community can kind of self-regulate you have like you get a couple of mods in the mix and it's been a very lovely conversation so far. So as of this recording, I'm like, Discord rocks. Cool. Yeah. Let's, um, I wonder if there's already some kind of like Bechtel cast or like just feminist film discourse discord out there. Oh, that'd be fun. I, I would prefer discord to Reddit a million percent. So yeah, Reddit, I can't look at the interface of Reddit. It gives me a panic attack. I'm just scared. <laughs> I'm just scared. I just, I have PTSD with Reddit and I'm like, I don't want to be on this yeah. site. Get me out of here. Uh, but the Bechtelcast Reddit is lovely. Oh, I i can't look at it. I'm afraid. <laughs> just like I can't look <laughs> at the reviews. But um, yeah, for any listeners who maybe already like facilitate or moderate some kind of, or if you're interested in, in starting up one of your own, if there's any sort of a group out there that is living on the internet that you'd like to share let us know yeah we'd we'd be happy to spread the word for listeners like donna who are looking for a place to chat so hell yeah let us know wow that i think that that started as us being like letterbox seem cool and ends up being like we're gonna start a discord (laughs) uh so stay tuned yes um Our next question comes from Courtney. The question is, when watching non-Bechtel cast movies, do you have a hard time turning off the podcast lens? Ooh, for me, I honestly, and this might sound weird, but I still oftentimes kind of have to actively, deliberately switch the Bechtel cast lens on to watch a movie that I know that we're not covering for the podcast. So I don't even, and, and and it just might be like years of programming of never watching anything through like a feminist critical lens before. I still kind of have to, and def, like I default to a feminist lens more now than I did prior to start, starting the podcast. But sometimes I'm just like, I just want to watch and enjoy a movie without, uh, without having to tear it to pieces in my brain. So so I like, yeah, part of it is 
watching a movie through the Bechtelcast lens feels kind of like work since doing this podcast is a job of ours. And believe it or not, sometimes I don't want to work. So I would say I don't have that hard of a time switching it. What about you, Jamie? How, how do you? Um, I feel like I, it kind of depends for me. Mm-hmm. I, it does. I mean, there are certain movies that I sort of can, when I can foresee that I'm not going to really like the movie anyways, uh-huh. I think that I can be borderline impossible to watch a movie with because I'm <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? That's that. That's the, like, I think that when I, when I go in, I don't know, it's hard for my partner to watch movies with me <laughs> because he's just like, Hey, I wanted to watch this. And I'm like, well, why is it? Like, uh-huh. so it depends if it's, unfortunately I think it if if I'm rooting for the movie going in and I'm like this movie's gonna be good but I don't know it it has been like harder for me to shut it off even with movies that I'm like wanting to enjoy uh you know it's a blessing and a curse and then I think it's sometimes where it's like it's harder for me to turn it on for movies that I have nostalgia for mm-hmm. than movies that I'm watching for the first time sure. so even when it's like a movie that I like um, or I'm like want, hoping that I like. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of go in with a default Bechdel cast lens, but it's I I struggle more in like the reverse sense of like uh-huh. watching an old decom and being like, no, that has to be feminist. How can I reverse engineer my brain to make it make it? <laughs> so, you're just like, no, JB, yeah. it just isn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I have like a, a different. New movies, I feel like I kind of go in with the lens almost almost automatically with some exceptions. But yeah, mm-hmm. revisiting old movies is a challenge. Thank you, Courtney, for that question. Uh, let's take another break and then we will come back and answer some more questions. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs. Because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. And we're back. Our next question comes from Lucy, who asks, how do you choose which films to cover? And has this process changed over the years as you've covered a lot? This is a great question. I I think it has changed a little bit over the years. We Mm -hmm. started by, I mean, it's still a a combination of a lot of things. There's a real, there's a real 4D game of chess we're playing (laughs) when we choose movies at mm-hmm. times and then other times we're like mm, flubber um but <laughs> what do you mean we very carefully and meticulously put a lot of work that was a very long <laughs> math equation it was a flubber like equation that we it was, had to the, do. It was the formula one. to flubber led us to realizing we needed to cover flubber we should have done this years ago <laughs> um but i feel like there's the, the factors we consider mm-hmm. when choosing a movie is First of all, what's most important is that it's a movie that our guest wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. Second of all, um, it's something that there is, and we break this rule pretty consistently, but uh, but is it a movie that there's some listener interest in? Mm -hmm. Because we we have a Google Doc we have for years where listeners can make requests for movies. So we we have a list of like, here are our most popular requests Mm -hmm. of movies we haven't covered yet. And we'll go back to that pretty frequently mm-hmm. uh, when we're giving our guests like suggestions for potential movies. But the third factor that we has has always been true, but has not been true enough, which kind of goes back to our conversation about um, our discussion on how white our movie list has been mm-hmm. in June is do we really like is it absolutely if, if it's a white movie like or a white directed movie is is it really necessary like it, so now it's also like are, are we covering enough movies that are not directed by white guys yeah and and that's kind of where the change has come in because a lot of the movies yeah. we've covered uh historically have been cis white male dominated movies either who's making them or who are like the character the leading characters right and that is because we were kind of focusing on movies that have had a huge cultural impact on people, individuals, culture at large, and that have mm-hmm. like just influenced a lot of just kind of like film discourse for for a long time. And I think there is value in covering those movies, and I'm glad we did cover a lot of them just because like there are so many of those movies that like did really affect people in negative ways and like right and people that's like had to unlearn stuff that they've learned from that media that they've consumed so while i don't regret covering some of those movies i do regret not placing enough focus on other types of movies and that's mm-hmm. where we've uh we're switching gears a bit where we we are 
prioritizing more directors of color, more queer directors, more directors who are women to broaden our scope and uh, like pay tribute to a lot of those movies because a lot of them are really cool and really good and and they're lesser known very underrated exactly they're underrated they're lesser known so we're hoping to by covering them encourage people a great example is one we literally just covered rhymes for young ghouls yeah i would hazard a guess that most people have never even heard of that movie let alone seen it but it's a really really good movie it's a really important a really powerful movie that i Mm -hmm. uh, implore everyone to watch and to listen to that episode because it's just a very important movie that uh needs to be seen so yeah so that, I mean, that, yeah, that also speaks to kind of how our show has evolved, where originally we were like, oh, we're covering popular movies of the past, but that inherently aligns itself with covering mostly cishet white male movies, because mm-hmm. that is who has been making movies on a large scale. Yes. And and it does kind of get a, a little mired sometimes, because if you look at our request list, a lot of the movies that are right at the top are movies directed by cishet white guys mm-hmm. um yeah the process has definitely changed and we're just i mean our and our priorities as a show have changed mm-hmm. um so we want to always be servicing our listeners but we're no longer just the show that dunks on movies you've seen before we also uh want to direct you to movies and to guests and to you know work that you uh haven't seen but should and mm-hmm. and deserve a bigger platform, bigger budgets, all that stuff. Yes. So thanks for your question, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Next question comes from Madeline. Uh, says, some of my favorite queer storylines have been called queer baiting. Uh, Black Swan and Jennifer's Body, I would argue, aren't. But for sure, Cruel Intentions is. The thing is, these movies are how I realized I'm queer. Mm-hmm. Don't you think queer baiting can be good? So I I guess I'm of many minds about this. Mm -hmm. Completely, I mean, I think completely valid and also not even uncommon that queer baiting scenes are kind of formative experiences. I mean, I think we've heard about the cruel intentions scene Mm -hmm. specifically is cited a lot. I mean, and I also like have personal experience too of like, yeah, I, I don't know. Queer baiting is harmful in a lot of ways in that and we've talked about this in many episodes where it perpetuates Mm -hmm. that you know queerness is a phase or it's a shock tactic or you know all this stuff we've kind of talked about that Mm -hmm. said you know it for a very 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 long time and still now sometimes that was the only way that you would see you know two women on screen kissing was like it Mm -hmm. was that so I don't know you know it's like I don't know how, I mean, I, whatever, we, we, we'd all figure it out one way or another, but I think that there are like certain queer baiting scenes that come to mind of like, oh, that was something that you were like, ooh, what's, ooh, what's, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. And those experiences are obviously super valid and like a lot right. of us have had them, but I think it speaks more to like, uh, the fact that most of these scenes are directed by straight white guys who are framing it in a disingenuous way. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely not bad that we've all, you know, responded to it and that it. Right. But 
I just think that there's um, there are demonstrably better ways. Yeah. For a very long time, the only representation you would see of queerness or like by curiosity or mm. something like that would be in queer baiting scenes. And like the person who posts this question says, scenes like this are how a lot of people discovered they are queer. Right. So definitely validity to that. But yeah, like like you said, Jamie, it would it would be nice if there had been other options for young queer people to see that were like less baity and more just straightforward or more like uh, like less baity, more great e more grady. <laughs> And it's, it, yeah, it's couldn't just, have said it's it better myself. Less baity, more greedy, uh, and I think that that is again slow progress that's um, mm-hmm. starting to be made now. Although where I think uh, a lot of it is lacking, looking at you, Disney, also pay your fucking taxes, mm-hmm. is in media that is like directed at kids, like kids. <laughs> does it's it, I, I think that some areas are, but like Disney is still suppressing queer characters in a way that you're like, this is just a you thing at this point. It no longer even makes fucking financial sense to do this. Mm-hmm. Like get mm-hmm. over yourself. And, you know, it's, it's the year 2020. We shouldn't need to have to go to queer baiting scenes. Um, at this point, there, I don't think there's really mm-hmm. any, much of an excuse for them to still be happening, but that doesn't get rid of, you know, the experience, the very valid experiences people had with queer baiting scenes of the past. I almost like, yeah. is there, I, I've, I, I know that there's a number of video essays on YouTube about the history of queer baiting. Um, but I think that, yeah, just like having more queer characters who it's like, it just is what it is and having that presented from an early age it just you know the normalizing effect that pop culture has mm-hmm. it's good shit if you use it for good mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i don't know i i fell you know the black swan scene you know is just you know a lot <laughs> i do i do love a good kiss uh i wonder too if if queer baiting will kind of be a thing of the past now that we have seen more normalization so. and acceptance and more out queer characters in a lot of media especially media for young people i mean we were talking about blockers earlier mm-hmm. which is an example off the top of my head of a pretty a mainstream book movie that featured well. a queer teen book smart yeah, yeah lots of tv mm-hmm. tv directed toward teens that uh, features queer characters so yeah i'm wondering if that's kind of a thing of the past right and again it's it, it is like an, a, a part of rectifying that issue is you know have having more queer directors and people behind the scenes and writers mm-hmm. in the mix as well so yep. yeah hopefully hopefully we sort of answered that question thank you for sending it uh Madeline. yes thank you uh next question is from emily who asks I'm curious about what value, if any, you see in analyzing films for not passing the reverse Bechtel test, a.k.a. films where no two named men speak to each other about anything other than a woman. I am always delighted to realize a film doesn't pass this non-existent test, a.k.a. Bridesmaids, and it seems like such films are few and far between. Interesting question. Thank you for sending it. Yes. I feel like it's definitely interesting to discuss. It just like almost 
happens so infrequently that it's like, yeah, let's talk about this. Where, where, where are they at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it mostly happens in movies with predominantly female casts. Mm -hmm. So like Bridesmaids, like was mentioned. And, you know, while those movies aren't always perfect, they're often like, they're usually ripe for the types of discussions that we have. And uh, because so many movies, I mean, you could rattle off hundreds of movies that are like a cast of 95% men and one woman is in the entire cast. Or maybe if you're lucky, there are two women and chances are they never are in the same scene together. Mm -hmm. So tons of movies are just all like are predominantly male casts, but uh, it's yeah far rarer that you would see a movie that is mostly women. Yeah. So yeah, I think there is value in shouting out a movie when it does when it doesn't when it doesn't pass the reverse Bechdel test and there's a lot of negatives in there sure <laughs> so I'm there. trying to make sure my brain understands this yeah but yeah if if no men talk to each other in the movie or if men do talk to each other but it's only about women that means it does not pass the reverse Bechdel test Right. Which is a good thing. Or, you know, in theory. <laughs> My head hurts. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I also think that speaking to like even Emily's question, that it's uh, like you almost manifest it. You will it into existence. If we talk more about, well, why isn't this past the reverse Bechdel test? Maybe that's, mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we say it enough. And I feel like <laughs> this isn't entirely true. And it's not, it's probably being mean to us but i'm like we've spoken a few things into reality but most of it was um goofy we were like oh we've spoken um i mean there's a few things that were that's not true but i'm like maybe if we and the grand we as well mm -hmm. make more of a show of kind of pointing out like wow isn't this amazing this movie is so good and men didn't ever have a conversation uh <laughs> That might encourage, you know, more of that. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm overestimating and underestimating our power all at once. Uh. <laughs> well, if we manifest it enough, mm -hmm. we can will it into reality. And that's <laughs> the secret. That's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> all right. few more questions. Yes. Next one comes from Alicia asks, I love how you both have expanded the lens of the show to include more intersectionality with your more inclusive focus of today. Are there any films covered in earlier episodes that you would rate differently now, or perhaps aspects that you wish you'd brought up? Um, definitely for sure. That's part of why we're redoing like those four episodes that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, almost every episode we do people have been like oh i love this discussion great episode <laughs> brag for us i was like where is this going comma but yes you didn't bring up this or you forgot to mention this or something you know and it, it sometimes it's just because we ran out of time and we couldn't cover everything sometimes it's because you know we we didn't consider that um and we needed you the listeners to educate us or to bring something up a few examples off the top of my head our Mulan episode, people were like, yeah, but you didn't talk about how the male love interest is a bicon, you know, because yes. he was attracted to Mulan while she was presenting as a man. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't talk about the queer coding of the villains in Birds of Prey. You didn't talk about, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many different things that we, uh, examples of like things we missed or something. So definitely there are a lot of 
things I would go back and rate differently or things I wish we had uh, mentioned or had thought of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, again, is why we we so much appreciate everyone's comments and contributions. Uh, and we encourage you to continue to send us those comments with those, etc. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel similar. I, I I think that we also like earlier in the show, especially with early episodes, we kind of we both knew a lot less than we do now. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of fell into like the thing bad trap a lot where we mm-hmm. would be like, this sucks from the lens of 2017. And we <laughs> did not do enough to contextualize like things that we are more mindful of now like there is Mm -hmm. a way to contextualize why a movie presented as it did in a very problematic way sure and be critical of it but I feel like we we didn't uh I would say even in like our first year or so we were not like heavy enough on the context oh yeah and they're just uh, not my favorite episodes for that reason, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's so much I would do different, especially getting back into like 2017, 2018. But in, I, and so even though I'm like cringing at past us, I also <laughs> am glad because that means, you know, I, it would be very weird if we were like, no, our takes were perfect. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> no. And I haven't no learned notes. a single thing since. And I was a hundred percent correct. Um, <laughs> So, you know, if you don't look pa- on your past self, your past trying self with, mm-hmm. with a, without a little cringe, you know, what's what's going on? What are you even doing? Yeah. The past is cringe. The future is cringe. <laughs> the present also cringe. The present <laughs> you, is extremely cringe. Uh, so thank you for that question, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, next up, we have a question from Tessa. The question is, Are there any movies you really want to cover but just haven't done yet, either because they're not a priority or because the time hasn't felt right? Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've got some. You got, oh wait, you have, you have like some specifics? Yeah. Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. Some of them are just because they're like childhood or like adolescent favorites of mine. Okay. They wouldn't even necessarily make that much sense to cover some of these because I don't know how interesting of a of a discussion they would generate. But um, well, actually, one of my favorite movies for a while was Sin City. And I think it would be an interesting Whoa, conversation. That would be an interesting. There is there's some some shit. There's to some stuff there. there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a conversation to be had. So maybe I'll do that on one of my um, as one of my Matreon birthday picks uh, mm-hmm. next May. I also I kind of really want to do a Ninja Turtles movie because again they were Whoa. pretty big movies of my childhood. Hell yeah. There's some that I really want to do just because they've been requested a million times and I do enjoy them as a movie that we just haven't gotten around to yet. For example, Pitch Perfect is one of our top requests. Um, Okay. (laughs) I don't like Pitch Perfect. Oh, really? I enjoy it. Um, Pride and Prejudice is one of our top requests. Oh, yes. uh, The Keira Knightley, I think 2005 one. Yep. Oh, Um, yeah. I was there. I was talking with my dad about that movie the other day because there was like... My dad, I think my dad maybe noticed a trope in movies that is oh. very specific, but he, not to call him out, but he was like, yeah, because my dad, I made my dad, because for the Pride and Prejudice, this story is too long already, but <laughs> it was like 
not shown at major theaters, but I really wanted to see it. So my dad mm. like drove 45 minutes to go to this like indie theater and then watched it and was like, oh, this is really long. <laughs> and he's right. But uh, but he was we were talking. Oh, it's because we were talking about the crown. And my dad was like, oh. why are there often these like young British women in movies who are always like hiding behind something flirtatiously, which I actually think he's onto something there. There's a scene in Pride and Prejudice that he made fun of a lot when we went and I was like, stop. But like, <laughs> it's like Kira Knightley as Elizabeth Bennett, like hiding behind some ribbons and being like, ha 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 ha. Like, you know, and there's a very similar scene in the, in the crown where princess Diana shows up for the first time and she's like, tee I'm like, wow, these young British actresses do be hiding behind things flirtatiously. Wow. What's that all about? What was the question again? <laughs> I oh, don't know, but oh, Mike, yes. shout out to Mike Loftus for his uh, poignant observations. That's my favorite useless movie trope since Leonardo DiCaprio fully clothed wet. <laughs> You're just like, I don't know if that says anything about our culture, but it definitely it seems to be a thing. Oh, you know what? Okay, sorry. This is another another quick tangent, but you know how we were talking about the um, breakfast Rube Goldberg machine trope in <laughs> yes. um, a bunch of movies oh, that we yes. brought up on the Flubber episode? I I thought of another one. There's so many. It's in the first Paddington movie. There is a marmalade making machine, oh Rube Goldberg God, yeah. machine. And because Paddington eats marmalade for breakfast, it counts as a breakfast mm -hmm. machine. <laughs> It's true. There you have it's it. It's true. Something that some things that I've wanted to there's like other childhood favorites that I I would like to cover down the line, but it's mm -hmm. like they're just not the highest priority. Things I would generally like to do more or like to like I don't know, we don't really do themes on the main feed, but I love musical movies, so I would love mm. to do and we haven't really done that many that aren't like Disney movies. Sure. So, I love musicals and I also think it, uh doing more international movies, which we've been tr which we've been doing more recently. Mm -hmm. And then I would also love to do like a little just a block of old Hollywood movies. Oh yeah. Cuz we've really only done that once or twice with movies that are older than like 40 years old yeah and yeah just like getting into like very influential old hollywood movies i think would be fun yeah oh also we desperately need to do two separate episodes on magic mike and oh, magic mike double xl hustlers hustlers that's like one of my top picks that like it just it truly like the timing just has it it's been a timing issue um but uh hustlers it's gonna happen magic mike it's gonna happen it's just yeah. really the question is when yes yeah, and then and then of course anything that Alfred Molina wants to cover when he comes back. Yeah, absolutely. And the holiday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, let's pretend we didn't see that. But although I to so so to round out our question segment, mm -hmm. thank you to everyone on the Matreon who sent questions. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to join the Matreon, it's a great month to do so because we are doing our annual uh, terrible holiday movies block including the three Vanessa Hudgens Princess Switch 
Princess Switch Switched Again, I think is what it's called. But really, it's called oh Three God. Vanessa Hudgenses. <laughs> it's pretty much called Three Vanessa Hudgenses. And then we're also doing Christmas Prince 2 because we've already covered one and three. And we are releasing Christmas Prince 1 as um, a main feed episode to give ourselves a little holiday break and just sharing the Christmas cheer that is Christmas Prince. Yes. Um, they're, <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome once again. I mean, I, Christmas Prince genuinely is is requested. Oh, yeah. Often. Mm-hmm. We did that, uh, you know, because the masses insisted. That's true. So that's what's going on over in the Matreon. Mm-hmm. So that was... We have a few more questions, but they're kind of more like fun, silly questions that we thought we'd close out on. Before we do that, we had a few very, just like very nice comments that we wanted to share. We just wanted to share a bunch of compliments. Uh, our, our listeners being nice to us and, and telling us <laughs> that we we rock, roll, and rule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're, we're spreading joy is what we're doing. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, or we're fr- or uh, spreading joy, fending off dread. You know, like it's really all the same activity <laughs> these days. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to, to laser in on a couple of comments we received to celebrate uh, because we cannot physically see each other. Mm-hmm. So this first comment comes from Patty. They say, I saw Boss Huma's Girl on an incredibly rainy evening in Edinburgh last year, and it was by far the funniest and most interesting performance of the festival for me. Oh, Jamie. One of the allies Jamie got on stage, which is a a bit you do in the show, Mm -hmm. was so bumbling that he almost made her break character several times. It was absolutely glorious, and I hope she remembers it as fondly as I do. Oh, that sounds like so... That's so nice. (laughs) That, um, (laughs) I... I think I do remember the experience Patty is discussing because there were like sub. So it's the context for this is I did I did a show last year at Edinburgh Fringe Festival where I played uh, girl boss Elizabeth Holmes character who just was like bad faith feminism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show yeah. was basically uh, what it was. And I would bring people up on stage and I would make I would make them name women and then they could never do it. I, I would always bring like men on stage. It, it's it's one of my favorite bits from your show. Yes, it's always Thanks. so funny. I think I do remember this night specifically because it was like nights that, that were rainy were really hard because it would be harder to get people to come to the show. And the, I was performing in a shipping container, so it would smell really bad mm. when wet people came <laughs> inside. Yeah. So I my I have a very sensory memory of this night, and that I don't know. That's that's so lovely. I miss being able to meet people and mm-hmm. do things and be in stinky shipping containers Aww. with my friends. <laughs> Thank you for that, Patty. That was very um, that made my day. Yeah. We also have a, a really kind comment from Alicia who says. The two of you inspired me to start writing about film again, which I'm so grateful for. Somebody actually now pays me, hell yeah, to, to write reviews focusing on diversity. And I wouldn't have known that that was something you could do, let alone something I could do, if not for the podcast. Thank you for that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, shout out, Alicia. Holy shit. Congrats. That's that's for us. That's like the most gratifying feedback we could get. Yeah. That's like that's the idea. And yeah, that's amazing. Oh, God. Congrats. Our listeners are so 
cool (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing and also send us your work we want to we want to plug it yes Uh, yeah and to to i guess to all of our listeners we, we say versions of this pretty frequently but if you are seeing like there's a perspective you have that is not being discussed like go for it like mm-hmm. and let us know what we can do to help kind of get the word out because it does i mean it makes a fucking difference mm-hmm. and so shout out alicia that's so cool indeed and this last comment that we wanted to share comes from maddie says just want to say thank you so much for this podcast i was a socially anxious kid with big feelings whose only hobby was watching movies i've realized how dangerous stereotypes in movies are and how i have romanticized toxic behaviors in my relationships because of it grand gestures that somehow equate to forgiveness slash stalker behavior slash boys will be boys mentality slash intense fights then always making up slash unnecessary sacrifices slash surprise kisses etc i've been uh, i've been able to reanalyze what i really want and what is healthy for me and others a big part of that is because of this podcast thank you yay thank you thank you for sharing that and yeah i mean just so glad that you've been able to unlearn the toxic crap that movies teach us that many of us are trying to unlearn and we still are like it's just uh yeah this comment was really cool like what we keep trying to talk about is like what is really helpful in unlearning stuff is like like once you recognize oh this is a toxic thing i need to unlearn just start the work don't wallow in you're like i can't believe how could it be you're like (laughs) well it is so Mm -hmm. let's do something about it and that sounds like the approach maddie is taking and ah nice so cool yay thank you so much yeah and then uh just a few uh fun questions to to close us out Mm -hmm. so the first one comes from someone who wanted to be identified as freddie molina fan number one so jamie i'm not sure if you'll have a response to that love this okay (laughs) what's something non-movie related that you're passionate about Ooh, something that i've i've become very passionate about um in the past year and a half ish has been uh local politics via a friend of the show nithya raman yeah yeah i that's like when i'm not when when i'm not podding and (laughs) goofing around yeah i've gotten really like excited by communities that are like in in la it's especially big i think but yeah uh learning about kind of my community what direct action stuff is possible to do and just like I guess most specifically like local journalism and how important it is and how much there is to do and like what a cool community Mm -hmm. it is I like local journalism (laughs) hell yeah boring answer no I love it something that I've always been passionate about that I think is little known fact about me is that I love anthropology. I almost minored in it. In fact, I almost majored in it in college before I really knew what I wanted to do. So I I had just kind of contemplated making that my career for a while, but uh, Mm. ultimately was like, oh, I don't want to get a PhD. So never mind. But um, (laughs) I only wanted to get a master's in screenwriting obviously and honey you did (laughs) and i did it 
but Baby um, girl. I love anthropology. I love reading books about anthropology. I love um, just kind of like human evolution in general and the, the way human psychology has evolved, human sexuality has evolved or has kind of dictated our human evolution and just like all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've always been fascinated about that. So if anyone has any recommendations for anthropology books, I've, pro- I've read a fair cool. number, but... I'm always on the lookout for more. So hit me up with your Rex. But yeah, I love anthropology. So and if anyone uh, if anyone knows about corruption in the VA in West Los Angeles, hit me hit up, up <laughs> Jamie. Uh, our next fun question comes from Becky. Uh, it goes a little something like this. Hey, Caitlin and Jamie, you've been my running buddies for years. Love the show. You're both from the East Coast, but now in L.A. How was that transition for you? Do you miss certain aspects of the East? Come visit Pittsburgh when it's safe, please. Uh, Okay, we will. Yes, fine. And yeah, I miss I miss the East Coast a lot all the time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I do like living in L.A., but I do miss I do miss the East Coast. Yeah, I miss Massachusetts so much all the time i miss public transportation <sighs> as being a more accessible and easy thing to do than it is in la i miss living in a walkable city yeah uh, i miss bike riding around i used to ride my yeah. bike ev- to get everywhere when i lived in boston and now i'm too scared to ride my bike anywhere in la sure oh god yeah i miss the fall I miss mm-hmm. my family. I miss, yeah, just like, it's, yeah, there's there's a lot that I miss. I also just, I don't know, Massachusetts can be so fucked up, but then sometimes just, I don't, uh, not to go back to local journalism, but sometimes <laughs> the hyper-specific stories you can find in New England truly could happen nowhere else and shouldn't happen anywhere else. And by that, I mean something everyone should go watch is a youtube video it's called down the rabbit hole the per cat cafe it is oh oh, sorry i thought you were going to um talk about love bacardi boston oh my god i (laughs) i'm also talking about love bacardi boston because where else can you make that film Mm. don't even try the worst (laughs) student film of all time you gotta watch it but i also wanted to reference yep YouTube user Frederick Nudson. He doesn't really need our plugging. He's a very popular YouTuber, mm-hmm. but he makes this um, series called Down the Rabbit Hole where he just will like rehash a scandal mm-hmm. that is very specific and very online. And there's one that took place in Boston called the Per Cat Cafe, where it was a New England mom trying to start a cat cafe. And she does a really bad job and she gets so mad because she's from <laughs> New England. Uh, and she just starts cyberbullying people. It's the wildest story. And it just made me so homesick because you're like, that, what? It could only happen with that kind of angry mom. Wow. That they make in, those re- in that region. <laughs> I miss it. Uh, <laughs> okay, next question. Next question comes from Carly asks... What would you call an all-female remake of the movie Flubber? Flub her? <laughs> Fember? Fember. I don't think. Maybe not Fember. So those, just to be clear, those were the two pitches that Carly shouted out. And also, I let, yeah, I do love Flub her. Serious answer? It should just be Flubber. 
Like they sh- it should just be called Flubber, and then a uh, woman is the lead this time. But in terms of what I think they might name it, Flub Her is great. What about this? Is a non-gendered way to do it. I Flubber, right? Oh wow! Told from the perspective of the Flubber, of the Flubber. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that would would that mean that um like a, maybe a spooky Halloween version of Flubber would be I Flubber. Flubberstein? Like I, I Frankenstein? I Flubberstein would definitely, I think, work. We should get the I Frankenstein team. We also got a message from a listener the other day that was like, I'm so high, I'm under my Christmas tree, and I'm watching I Frankenstein, <laughs> and I've never felt so at peace. And I was like, now this is the impact we've been going for. Mm. I... You know what? I don't care what they call it. I just I and I'm sick of I'm sick to death of rebooting old properties. Just I mean, whatever. We talk about it all the time. Just let marginalized people make the movie they want to make. Don't make them remake a movie that was made bad the first time. What the fuck? <laughs> right. However, with Flubber, I take an exception. We do need a reboot of Flubber. Obviously. We, de- we need it. We need it. Yes. Next question comes from Maria. Do you believe in astrology? Because y'all being a Taurus and a Leo is tea. Sorry for the lack of intellectualism, but it really must be addressed. <laughs> yeah, I believe in astrology. Oh, how dare you? Yeah, of course. Um, what kind of question is that? Of course I do. I uh, don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't really even know Famously. what astrology is i don't know how it works i'm sure if i this is where everyone's sitting at home being like taurus okay (sighs) yeah i'm too stubborn to believe in something like astrology um i i well i okay i did buy some crystals you did is that astrology (laughs) that's not astrology but that's definitely you know in the astrology extended universe it's yeah astrology adjacent um yeah i um (laughs) don't participate but i like when other people tell me they're like oh you're such a taurus therefore xyz it's nice to feel seen yeah i'm gonna be a leo and just like read out my chart okay (laughs) (laughs) so leo's son which you know i was born august 18th and i'm like i feel cuspy but whatever okay yeah aries moon pisces rising okay astrology heads tell me something i don't know because I know, I know a medium amount. I know, like, okay, not a ton. I was gonna say I don't know what any of that means, but yeah. I had to pull up my CoStar app to give that information. But oh, there you go. Yeah, Maria, please advise on <laughs> <laughs> what just happened. Yeah. Uh, two more things. Starting with a question from Lindsay asks: If you were to focus on the films of Alfred Molina for a month, would you call it? Melina March or Alfred May Lena. Funny. Oof. Okay, first of all, funny. <laughs> Second of all, we would call it Melina March, but it would fall in September. I <laughs> think that's the only way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my favorite. Maybe one of my favorite running jokes we have <laughs> is how we just everything in the Matreon is just insert something March. <laughs> But it's never in March. It's in or Portman July. Portman July which falls in, in really what, any November? month of the year. Yeah, <laughs> it's com- it's complicated. Mm-hmm. But but if you really if you put all the strings together on the on the cork board, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, Caitlin, this one this one's for you. It comes mm-hmm. from Chris. Caitlin, have you heard of these anagrams of your name? I trend nautical. I have not heard that one. Kurt. Italian 
end. Not that one specifically, but I I have one similar that uh, has Italian in it. And instead of Kurt, it's a much more unpleasant word. If you change out one letter. Oh. Yeah, it's rude Italian. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here's the next one. A Tinder lunatic. That one, yes. That one was one of the very first ones that uh, Zach Sherwin um, oh. made for me. So that one does, and I, you might have even did an illustration for it. Yeah, I think I illustrated that. Yeah, because yeah, Zach, Zach and I, when Zach and I famously collabed on your birthday present. <laughs> and then finally, this one is gross. <laughs> Tinier anal duct. I have not. I wish I hadn't heard that. <laughs> heard that one but that one's my favorite one of these and of maybe all time that made me feel really um unwell (laughs) i feel great i feel honestly i'm like wow uh i haven't eaten yet today and it's honestly it's good (laughs) it's tinier i'm like tiny because it implies it was already tiny and that there's maybe there's a tiny it's one just, and then there's the tiniest one, but this is the you just have like a vice and you're just like <laughs> it has to get smaller. I don't that's so nasty. Okay. Thank you for oh. that, Chris. <laughs> and on that note Happy four year anniversary, Caitlin. Happy four years, Jamie. I four more years. Four, four years. I've loved doing this show with you. I can't wait to do much more. I love you and you're the best. I love you. And yeah, this, uh, what a joy. What a joy it is and continues to be. Truly. I swear, it's like so nice to like, I don't know. You know, sometimes I, this is like, I'm not talking about anybody we know, but you know, sometimes when you listen to a podcast, you're like, I don't think these two people like each other very much. I just, I'm so grateful for your, like, friendship and... I know. Same. How this show brought us together. Look at us. Look at us go and look at us grow. Look at us here in heaven. Uh, well, that was our four-year anniversary celebration. Heaven where Rose doesn't go at the end of Titanic. What if that's at the very end I try goes. to... That's what if I try to pick a fight at the... <laughs> the very There's, end uh, what if yeah and then we're like actually the show's canceled the, <laughs> show's the last episode uh, so everyone uh this is how we're kicking off december we're going to be doing a lot of fun holiday movies mm. we're going to be doing another grace thomas santa claus episode oh, can't wait. we're going to be doing uh, an episode on this christmas mm-hmm. we're going to be doing what else are we doing an episode on new year's eve <laughs> You know, there's just, there's, and then over on the Matreon, however many Vanessa Hudgens as we can bear. (laughs) So thanks for listening. Yes. You can find us in all the regular places, Twitter, Instagram. We've, we've, you know, you know what the Matreon is at this point. Mm -hmm. And there's ongoing uh, sales if you want to get Bechtel cast merch for you or your loved ones this holiday season. Feel free to do so. Over at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast, right? That's the one. Oh, you think I would know that by now. <laughs> uh, you, and there's face masks, which is cool. I, I just actually, I need to order Bechtelcast face masks. Cause, nice. Because why? I, I feel like a poser on our own show. 
Yeah. I'm literally, I'm fi- look what I'm like fidgeting with <laughs> right now. I'm literally fidgeting with my Alfred Molina action figure. Your Doc Ock. I keep him at my work desk. He calms me down. Good. Oh, good. Him wait. And, and, wait. and, and Green, green Baby Boy. Gonna... <laughs> I was just going to ask. Green okay, Baby Boy. Have you told this story or do the listeners wait. know about this? Okay. Because we need no. to. Okay. We, we said the episode was over, but it actually. There's more. I where I think maybe we talked about it on the Matreon, but not this needs to be as public as possible. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. to have access to this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> so it was, I've been trying to figure out which listener originally sent this to us. Yeah. But essentially we did a Matreon episode a couple years ago at this point where we watched all of the Grinches. Mm-hmm. We just like drank all day and ate <laughs> potatoes and watched every Grinch and, you know, just talked a lot of shit. Yeah. And, uh, I love Baby Grinch. We've had Baby Grinch merch for years. You can yeah. get it. This is a plug, right? Plug. Another but, plug. But a listener sent us a link to something just simply called Green Baby Boy. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of like uh, the shop looked like, meh, like I can't, it was you a know, when like an online shop, something's not quite right. Yeah. Because what it said it was selling, I'm pretty sure was a production still of the animatronic for baby yeah. Grinch. It looked very top quality. The product that the site said they were selling looked as though it came straight off the movie set. It looked like it, it would have... It couldn't be. and Right, because it was only $30, and it looked like it should have cost like $300. If it was what it said, yeah. Right. So, but, so, so Caitlin and I were back and forth of like, where's the line? Where's the line? And then I was like, I had to... I. <laughs> I spoke to God about it and <laughs> and she said she she said to me Jamie I think this is a business you can list this as a business investment on your taxes <laughs> and I said oh yeah okay I guess I'll do it and I ordered it mm-hmm. and there was no tracking number there was mm-hmm. impossible to know mm-hmm. if green baby boy was ever going to come and if he came what would what would it be like and then the night Joe Biden won the presidency. A fraught, weird night. Literally moments before the speech, I received a package, <laughs> and inside of it was not what was in the picture. It's I we'll post a picture of it to the feed, but it's like impossible <laughs> to describe. It is technically a green baby boy, but it's it's like it's a- so scary to look at. It has like. <laughs> soulless eyes it is hollow it's made like a dog toy that doesn't squeak but you can just it it has a little hole in its butt and you can just make it totally flat you can squish his head uh it's made out of rubber it is technically a dog toy it's it's definitely not worth 30 dollars no and i don't know who made this who's doing this i'm not sure it yeah you facetimed me yes with the second you received it to show it to me and i've i like nearly peed my pants laughing so hard because i'd never i wasn't expecting necessarily you don't know what to expect but i wasn't expecting that and (laughs) it was it's yeah so we'll we'll do like side-by-side comparisons of like a screenshot of what the site was advertising (laughs) And what actually showed up because it is the funniest thing in the world. And I'm so sorry you spent $30 plus shipping no, and handling. Honestly, the greatest return <laughs> on investment 
I've ever I was just like it made me miss shows because I'm like ah oh, if I could bring this to a show oh and really gosh. set up Green Baby Boy and then and then pass him around oh, oh. that's your next one person show submit submit Green Baby <laughs> Boy Green the show Baby to Boy. Edinburgh in 2024 please right. you think they're gonna say no <laughs> please <laughs> that's just good storytelling uh <laughs> so so my my two guardian angels on yeah and my desk are green baby boy and doc ock amazing <laughs> well okay now that's the episode there you have it um just a reminder about the live reading of disney's the santa claus that we are doing on sunday december 13th at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern uh again the the link that will allow you to donate and thereby purchase a ticket to the show will be on all of our social media and again on my website caitlindurante.com and we really hope to see you there again for a terrific cause reclaim and rebuild our community the show is going to be a blast and we hope to see you there thanks for listening have a safe holiday season everybody and we'll talk to you soon we'll see you soon bye-bye Bye. infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.